Thank you for listening to the City Lights podcast. You can visit us on Sundays, 10 a.m. at 4100 20th Street in Greeley. We hope you enjoy the message. All right, welcome to the church. We have been in a series called Builders of the Wall. We've been talking about um, the attributes of a life-giving, spirit-empowered church because I want to be in a life-giving, spirit-empowered church. Amen? How many want to be part of that? Um, So uh, this is part five today. I'll do uh, just a quick overview. We've been looking at the, the book of Nehemiah, Nehemiah chapter three. Um, there's, there's 10 gates that are being rebuilt in the book of Nehemiah. And those 10 gates are kind of a prototype of what a life, the Lord showed me that, the, that this is a snapshot, a prototype of what a life-giving spirit-filled church looks like. I would also say it like this, these 10 gates are, are a prototype and a picture of what a life-giving person looks like. How many want to be a life-giving person? I want to be part of. A, I want to be a life-giving person. I want to be part of a life-giving, spirit-empowered church. So we want these ten gates open in our church, and we want these ten gates that we'll be talking about in the series. We want these gates open in your life as well. Okay. Um, so, uh, part two, we did uh, the sheep gate. All right. Uh, Christians are part of God's flock. John 10, 14 through 15, Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. If you're a believer in Christ, you are a member of God's flock. Amen. So the first thing life-giving churches need to do is we need to provide a place where the spiritual needs of God's flock are being met. Okay. Part three was called the fish gate. This is the evangelist gate. Jesus said uh, to Peter and Andrew when he called them, and this is, this is, I believe, his commission to all of us. He said, come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed them. Okay, Jesus commissions us to open the fish gate, and, and metaphorically, people coming into the kingdom um, are fish. How many want to be fishers of men, catchers of men and women? Amen? Okay, that was part three. Part four was called the old gate. Or Wisdom's Gate. Pastor Emily did an amazing job last week speaking to the church on this. Uh, how many want to have Wisdom's Gate open in your life? I want to have Wisdom's Gate open in our church. How many know one of the first things that you need to do when you, when you open the fish gate, you got new believers coming in into uh, the arena, you need to get them around some of the mature believers with some, some folks sometimes with gray hair, Right? Now, being old in and of itself doesn't make you spiritually mature, but it tends to lead that direction, right? And so, how many old gates we got in here? You can, you can, all right. So, give it up for the old gates. Come on. We need them. We need them in our church. We need your wisdom. All right. Today, we're focusing on the fourth gate, which is the valley gate. Um, go ahead and put up that picture. Uh, Nehemiah 3 details the rebuilding of the walls of Jerusalem. This is what the walls of Jerusalem look like. And going in counterclockwise direction, we start with the sheep gate, the fish gate, the old gate, and now we're on the valley gate. Uh, the valley gate um, was the gate that led to the Tyropion uh, Valley. I hope I said that right. Or the Central Valley. That's a little easier to say. The Tyropion Valley. So it's the gate that led into the valley. One thing that life-giving, spirit-empowered churches need to have is, is to be able to meet people coming through the low places, coming through the valleys. 
Valleys speak of the dark places, the broken places, the wounded places. Have you ever, has that ever been you? Have you ever gone through a dark season, a broken season, a wounded season? Um, and, and we want to be a church who can meet people and minister to people going sometimes through the most difficult part of their life. How many of you here have ever gone through a valley? Okay. Most of us, almost all of us, I'm sure. And if you haven't, give it some time. You probably will. I'm not prophesying that over you. I'm just saying this tends to be the way it is. Okay. Maybe, maybe you haven't just gone through a valley. Maybe you're in a valley right now, right here in this very place. Jesus said this, Luke 4, 18 and 19. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and, and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Okay? This is why the Spirit of the Lord is upon Jesus, to set people free, to preach the gospel to the poor. That's, that's like the, the, the sheep gate there, right? But then he doesn't just stop there. He says, to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives. Amen? I want to be anointed, but we got to understand what the anointing is for. This is why the Spirit of the Lord was upon Jesus. And if we want to be anointed, we have to have our eyes to the brokenhearted. We have to have our eyes upon those who are going through the most difficult seasons of their life. Life-giving churches meet people going through the valley. And I'm not saying City Life Church has arrived here. I'm saying I want to continue to build the valley gate. I want to continue to be a church that can meet people coming through the valley. And we have, you know, various systems and ways that we try to meet people coming through this need. We have, we have soaking prayer. We, we want people to get um, inner healing ministry, uh, sozo inner healing ministry. Um, if, sometimes if we can't help you, maybe, maybe what you need is counseling. And if we can't help you, we want to point you to a counselor. Maybe uh, we can't help you, help you in this regard, but maybe you need rehab or whatever it is. But we want to be a church that helps people in that valley what you're going through. My prayer is that whatever brokenness walks through these doors, that we would be a people equipped to, to handle that. And I'm not just saying, like, you know, we want to have the right systems and structures and personnel to handle these things. I actually want a church who's empowered to recognize when we see brokenness, to recognize when we see people coming through the valley, and that you, City Lights Church, would be the lights shining in the dark places. Amen? And so um, this is a... This is a fun journey that we're all on. Amen? We're, 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 uh, we're, we're growing in this. We're growing in the anointing. We're growing in ministering to people in broken places. Um, I want to have our Pastor Ben, our youth pastor, come up. He has an amazing story of, um, of uh, ministering to someone in a, in a valley, in a broken place. So come on up here, Ben. And I want him to take a few minutes and share your story. Hi, Good morning. It's crazy the whole Broughton clan's here. This is actually part of your harvest um, when you hear this story, and I'll explain it at the end. Uh, my dad showed up at our front steps like three weeks ago, and I hadn't seen him. He didn't make it to our wedding. It had been five years since I had seen him and probably five years before that, and he's living in a little RV out in Tennessee, out in the woods. And uh, just to give you a little bit of a backstory, I, my parents got divorced when I was six or seven, and he was extremely violent. Um, and whether it was 
men, women, or children. <laughs> I watched him hit them all. And so he uh, left at that age. And I hadn't seen him. He was a truck driver. So every once in a while, we would see him drive in. And he'd stay for an, a night or two in his truck. And we would see him. And this is about every two or three years until about my teenage years where I hadn't seen him at all. And up into my 20s, it'd grow, it turned into five or six or seven years. Um, and he called me about a month ago and said, hey, I'm driving through, and uh, I want to see you. And I could tell he wasn't doing well, but I had no idea. He had owned a trucking company at one point and was very well off. And I knew at this point he had nothing. He, had absolute, he lived in a little RV out in the woods that had electricity and no water. And so he, he drove this truck here. Um, and he was in Longmont, which is like 20 minutes from our house. And he said, hey, I can't make it tonight. I'm in real bad shape. I have no idea what this means. And he says, I'm in really bad shape. I can make it in the morning, though. And I said, okay. And we had stuff going that night, and so I really had no grid. And then is Rob Lovett here? Is he in here or is he working? He's working. Okay. So he's a nurse, and my dad shows up. He's about this tall and about 280 pounds at this point, very unhealthy, um, and is passing out as he gets out of the truck. And I call Rob instantly, and he's 70, and my dad, it was his birthday, actually, and he was just turned 68 when he showed up. And I have Rob come over, who's a, he's been a nurse for like 40 years or something, and uh, I don't know, for a long time. And, uh, and so he c- comes over, and he puts the, the, the thing that you listen to their lungs with on his back, yeah, that thing, and... Uh, and his right lung isn't working at all. Like, there's no sound there. And his face is yellow. And it's not, his face is pale yellow. It looks real bad. And his ankles are swollen. And he hasn't just been taking any of his medication is basically the problem. And so Rob has him do, like, 10 different inhalers. He has this whole bag of, like, 20 different pills and inhalers. And Rob gets him all the right stuff. And we sort of nurse him back to health for the next week. Um, and he's living with us, and I got to, and he, like, he just slept for the first two days, that's all he did, and then after that, he started waking up, but he couldn't go up the stairs or anything, and we just, but he, because he's from the south, I think, just sitting on the porch is his favorite thing to do, and he would just sit outside our front porch the whole entire time um, when he was awake, and I got to go out there and talk to him, and talk about, like, dad, what happened when we were kids, and like, and really got to, like, go through the tough stuff he went through as a kid. Like he was telling me, like he said this with such compassion. He said, my gym teacher was so kind. He would check my legs to see if my parents beat me, and if it was bleeding, he wouldn't make me dress out. And he was telling these stories, and there was many of these. I won't go through them all. But this is who was like really kind and loving to him. And so I started to understand where he came from and that he didn't, he had never seen family at any level. And now he's staying in our house We have an amazing family. We have two kids that we love dearly. I love my wife with all my heart. And he is seeing family for the very first time. And he's seeing a house that has the presence of the Lord in it for the very first time. And it's changing him day by day. And he lost like 32 pounds in three weeks at our house. It's just water weight. But we were bringing him back to health. And one evening, he, he was like, I came here to say goodbye. Like, I came here, he's like, but now I, and he just said, I've never seen any emotion besides, like, like having fun or angry. It's like all I've ever seen from him. And he is starting to weep and break down and say, he says, but this is the most joy I've ever had. This is the happiest I've ever been. And he starts bawling. I can feel the presence of the Lord fill the house. And I said, 
My wife, Stephanie, six years ago, she had never met him up until now, or maybe once before, I don't know. But when we were first dating, like three weeks, she came up to me in a worship setting, and she said, I feel like the Lord is saying that heaven wouldn't be the same without Howard. And I, I said, there is a way, Dad, that you can see us all again no matter what happens after you leave here. And I said, Stephanie had uh, this word that heaven wouldn't be the same without you. And he breaks to the floor weeping. On the floor, and the presence of God is in our house. And I am holding him and rubbing his back like a little baby as he's on the floor. And, I am, and he is weeping and weeping. And after that, like, we got to watch, like, he was totally different after that. Like, whatever demons fled, whatever happened, like, he was completely different. His face looked different. His eyes looked different. I can't even explain, like, how different it was. And we got to spend the next week, and I'm obsessed with bike racing. I watch something a day on it. And he's getting totally into it. And so for a week and a half, I have a dad for the first time in my life. He is completely into everything I'm in. And he's not faking it. He's like, oh, that guy's awesome. And, like, cussing at the TV when the wrong guy is, like, Winning that I was told him was a good guy, you know, and uh, and for a week and a half I have a total dad, and the Lord completely changed him. The reason I saw the Broughtons and I saw him, I was fine until I saw them. I got saved at eighteen, and God made Zach Broughton my best friend. I didn't know how to live at all. I grew up feral, very feral, and and I would watch Zach Broughton. And he would invite me over to his dad's house, and I would watch Ron like a hawk. He had no idea. I would watch him like an absolute hawk, because this was the first godly man I had ever seen. Ever seen. That was older than me. I had never seen one before. I, had, I, I wouldn't have any idea what they looked like. And I would watch Ron. I would watch Zach walk in the house and be like, oh, Zach's not afraid of him. Okay. I would watch him and be like, oh, Zach can sit wherever he wants. Ron comes home every night. Ron's really nice to his wife. And so I, I began to watch a family that loved the Lord for the very first time. And, and Zach got married at like 12. How old were you? He's like 19. <laughs> and so he was married too. And I'd watch how he treated Hillary and how they interacted with each other. I had never seen any of that before. And I, but that finally got developed to the point where I had a family of my own. And I was living out these principles I learned from the Broughtons. And it completely wrecked my dad's life when he actually saw a family of love. So, yeah, is that it? Is that good enough? <laughs> you, sh- you shouldn't give a preacher a microphone. <laughs> we could all go home now, right? Um, that just, the story is so powerful on so many levels. It's a story of forgiveness. He didn't have, Ben didn't have to do that. He could have held a grudge. But where would have the power and the breakthrough from that had been? Um, it's a story of forgiveness. It's a story of reconciliation. It's a story of God restoring things to Ben from his, from his life. Um, but what I love about it so much is, is that they shine the love of Jesus. And that environment in their home was contagious. That environment in their home was contagious. When they brought someone coming and going through a hard place, going through a valley, what was inside of them and inside of that home was bigger than what was inside of going on in Ben's dad. I love that story so much. It's so powerful. Thank you for sharing that, Ben. It's amazing. We want to be a church that meets people coming through the valleys. Um, <clears throat> I have no way to follow up on that. There's nothing I can say that's that good. Listen, uh, Jerusalem 
uh, in the city. It was a city. It's a city of high places. Those of you who have been to Israel or, or studied Israel will know that Jerusalem is a, it's, it's a, a, a city of mountaintops. Uh, relative to the topography around it, you've got um, the, the Tel Aviv, which is, of course, at sea level. You have the Dead Sea, which is, of course, um, it's below sea level. So pretty much any direction you go, Jerusalem is going to be a high place. Jerusalem is a city of mountain tops, but it's also a city of valleys. Okay, um, go ahead and put up that that, that next picture. It would be Jerusalem Valley Pick. Okay, so this is the topography of Jerusalem. You've got your Kidron Valley, Tyropian Valley, the Central Valley, and the uh, Hinnon Valley. Okay, and uh, go ahead and go to the next one. So this is the topography of Jerusalem with the walls. Okay, and Nehemiah's day, the section in red there, that's what um, they were trying to rebuild was the walls around Jerusalem. Notice Jerusalem is nestled between two valleys. It's a high place, but it's nestled between two valleys. I just think that's amazing. It's not just a place of high places. It's a place of valleys. Um, Now, someone noticed this. I'm going somewhere with this. But um, someone noticed that the valleys of Jerusalem um, look like the Hebrew letter Shin. Okay? The Hebrew letter Shin, it's the 21st letter of the Hebrew alphabet. Go ahead and put up uh, that picture of it. Okay, that's what the Hebrew letter Shin looks like. And it looks like the valleys of Jerusalem. The interesting thing about the Hebrew letter Shin is it's, it's the first uh, letter of the word Shaddai, El Shaddai. So the first letter of, of the name of God in the Hebrew. Um, and it repre- it's, it's come to represent the name of God. So Shin by itself represents the name of God. But what someone noticed is that the valleys of Jerusalem look like the Hebrew shin um, over it. So go ahead, and, um, go ahead and put up that next picture. Okay, so you have what looks like the Hebrew letter shin in the valleys of Jerusalem. Okay, um, and it represents the name of God. It's as, it's as though God was stamping Jerusalem with his name. He's saying, this is the place I'm going to cause my name to dwell. Deuteronomy 16, 1 and 2, uh, Moses, uh, God said this to Moses. Observe the month of Aviv and celebrate the Passover of the Lord your God, because in the month of Aviv, he brought you out of Egypt by night. Sacrifice as the Passover to the Lord your God, an animal from your flock or herd at the place, um, at the, place the Lord will choose as a dwelling for his name. Okay, so Lord, the Lord spoke to Moses many years before this happened. He says, hey, the place that I choose to have my name dwell that's the place I'm going to, you're going to set up the temple, and that's the place you're going to come to worship me. Um, how many, how many uh, people here, you're, you're a rancher, farmer, rancher? Are we, I know we have a few of them in our church. Okay, great. Have you, ever, have you ever branded cows? That's a lot of work, by the way. I've helped my aunt with that. She's, she's got some, some herds of cows. But it's, it's as though God was branding Jerusalem and the, the topography of Jerusalem saying, this is the place I'm going to cause my name to dwell. Okay. Um, now, this is kind of a this is bonus content here. But how many of you here are how many of you here are Star Trek fans? Okay. Okay. Right. Star Trek fans. Um, did you know that the 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 live long and prosper this is what this means in Star Trek? Did you know that live long and prosper? has its origins in the Hebrew letter shin. 
How many knew that? Okay, I'm going to play a video explaining this for you. So uh, go ahead and roll that video. Vulcan greeting is a wonderful sentiment. Live long and prosper. And this too was something that was uh, contributed by your father on the set. We had a wonderful script by Theodore Sturgeon called Amaktan. We arrive on the planet and a procession comes out from the city to greet us. I said to the director, I think we should have some kind of a special greeting. Asian people bow to each other. Military people salute each other. I think Vulcan should have some kind of a greeting. And he said, what would you like to do? And I said, how about this? Where it came from was from my childhood, uh, going to synagogue on the high holidays with my family. There's a moment where a group of men get up before the congregation, cover their heads with their prayer shawls, chant a prayer. My father said, don't look. I'm about eight or nine years old, so I snuck a peek. And what I saw was these gentlemen out there who were doing the shouting had their hands out towards the congregation like that, both hands. I found out later this is the shape of the letter Shin in the Hebrew alphabet. The letter Shin is the first letter in the word Shaddai, the name of God. Well, I survived. I peaked that I survived. But I was so intrigued with that gesture, and I suggested that we do that as Vulcans. Within days after that episode was on the air, I started getting that gesture back on the streets. Live long and prosper. People don't realize that they're actually blessing one another when they, you know, do the Hebrew letter Shin there. Here's the point I want to make. God's name can be seen in the valleys. Maybe you're here and you know the God of the mountaintops. And thank God for the God of mountaintops. But do you know the God of the valleys? The Bible says that we go from glory to glory, strength to strength. But how many know that sometimes we go through valleys? In fact, many times they're inevitable. Jesus said, John 16, 33, In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Jesus could have said it like this. In this world you will have valleys, but take heart, I have overcome the world. I am with you in the valley. When God puts his mark on us, his name on us, he doesn't just mark us by our mountaintops. He also marks you by your valleys. He marks you by the low places. He doesn't just mark us by our strengths. He also marks us by our weaknesses. Um, God doesn't just use our strengths. He also uses our weaknesses. Um, In the book of Acts, when Peter and John and the other apostles went to preach, the question people had asked, like, who are these people? These are unschooled, ordinary men. But yet they were turning the world upside down for Jesus. God was actually being glorified through their strengths. How many know that in in, uh, Moses, he had a speech impediment. 
He's not, he wasn't good at talking yet. He's supposed to lead this entire nation out of, out of um, Egypt into the promised land. And he has a speech impediment. Many times God chooses people who have, who have some type of weakness or some type of impediment and uses them because he's actually glorified more through them. He, he doesn't just, he's not just marked by our victories and our strengths. He's also marked, he also marks us, I should say, by our weaknesses. The Apostle Paul talked about, and I don't have time to get into all this, but the Apostle Paul talked about a thorn in his flesh, and he, and he prayed, God, would you remove this thorn from my flesh? And, and, and God's response was, hey, my grace is sufficient for you. My, my, my power is made perfect in your weakness. Okay, so maybe you have a, stre- uh, a weakness in your life, and you're like, God, would you just take this thing away? Would you take it away? But listen, he's being glorified through it many times. Okay, um, <clears throat> many times... How many have gone through a valley, but God was with you in the valley? I've gone through some valleys in my life. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever had a bad diagnosis from the doctor? Have you ever lost a loved one? Maybe you've lost a spouse or you've lost a child. That's devastating. That's a valley. Have you lost a dream job where you're making good money? That's a valley. Have you ever been through a divorce? That's a valley. That's devastating. Have you ever experienced the pain of a miscarriage or are not able to conceive in the first place? That's a valley. David said this in Psalm 23, 4. He said this, Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Many times valleys are inevitable. Sometimes we're victims of the valley that happens to us. It just happens to us. We're not asking for it. No one asks for valleys. <laughs> Sometimes the valley that we're going through is the fruit of the decisions we made. Fruit of your own bad decisions. But listen, God's still with you in that valley too. And sometimes God even leads us into a valley. Okay, God is good. The enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy. But sometimes God even intentionally will let us go through a valley because he knows it's producing something in us. It's amazing. The Bible says that God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. If you want to go through a valley, be proud. <laughs> He's resistant to the proud. and he, there's a, You're signing up for a valley if you're prideful, okay? So stay humble. Um, but life tends to, do, tends to do this. We tend to have those mountaintop experiences, and we go through those valleys. I'm, I'm a hiker, and I'm you know, always tracking my, myself when I'm hiking. And oftentimes I'll get done with a hike, and it was like, you know, it was like this. I was like, that's just like life, isn't it? Mountaintop experiences, valleys. Mountaintops, valleys. We all just prefer to stay on the mountaintops. Um, in our own life, uh, my wife and I have been through some valleys. Um, the diagnosis of an autistic daughter, that was definitely a valley. You have this dream in your heart, and there's like a, almost a death of a dream that you have to process. Um, since we started this church, we've had some mountaintop experiences and we've gone through some valleys. Um, I'll contrast here real quickly for you. 2018 versus 2019. 2018 for us, uh, professionally and personally, it was like a mountaintop year. Um, we, started a, we started a church, which is like, yay, and the church didn't fail. So that's a mountaintop experience. <laughs> You know, we get, 
we started off and we only had like two people on the payroll of the church. And then we get three months in and we're like, yay, we get to pay some other people now, you know. Um, people are actually giving, you know, um, mountaintop experience. Um, on, a, on a personal level, it was, it was an awesome year for me too. I'm, I'm a hiker. One of our goals is to hike all of Colorado's 14ers. And I'm chipping away at that goal a little bit every year. And, and I, got to, I got to knock a, a good one off the list, which is Capitol Peak. It's Colorado's most difficult and technical 14er. So that was, a, that was a, literally a mountaintop experience. Um, and metaphorically, um, I ran in my first ultra marathon that year. Um, I did a 40-mile ultra marathon, which I'm a runner. That was awesome. I went skydiving for the first It was just a cool year altogether. Mountaintop year, 2018. And then 2019 happened. <laughs> um, 2019 was a valley year for us. Um, we went all 2018. We didn't have medical insurance in 2018, which is a good thing because nothing really bad happened that year. But my wife for years had struggled with endometriosis and she needed to have um, surgery. She needed to have a hysterectomy. So we got insurance in 2019, January of 2019. She has abdominal surgery, which we're like, cool, we'll get that out of the way. And then it's a 12 week recovery, but we'll get that out of the way. And then we're going to have a great year after that. Right about the time uh, she's recovered from that. We're, we're driving down the road, and Ben was in the car with us. We're, we're heading west on Highway 34. We're coming to a stop, almost at a complete stop, and a car rear-ends us going the speed limit, like going 65. I was looking at some pictures before this sermon. I thought about putting a couple up, but I, I didn't do it. I, I was just looking at those pictures. like, I can't believe we were in that car. I can't believe we got out of that car. Um, that was a very, very difficult... I mean, we all... That was a valley year for Ben, for sure. Valley year for me. Um, we all had concussions. Um, Emily, we went to the hospital. Emily um, found out that she'd broke her neck. And then she... Thank God she didn't have to have surgery, but then she was in a neck brace for 12 weeks. And, and then residual pains after, after that. Very, very difficult uh, situation. Um, but then while she's in the hospital... Um, and they're doing scans on her whole body. They're like, oh, by the way, you're going to have to wear this neck brace for 12 weeks because you broke your neck. By the way, we noticed something on your thyroid. Once you get this neck brace off, you're going to have to come back, and we need to do a biopsy on your thyroid. We get the neck brace off, come back, do, an, do a biopsy, and they find out that she has thyroid cancer. We're like, geez, what is going on here? A couple weeks after that, she comes back for surgery, has half of her thyroid removed. Thank God she was able to keep half so she doesn't have to take thyroid meds the rest of her life. But uh, there was a lot going on. And then in the background of our lives, and, and the, the church didn't, um, we didn't coast as well in 2019 as we did in 2018. We had personnel issues and things going on behind the scenes. It was a difficult year for us. But thank God for all of us, 2020 was a great year. You know? <laughs> Thank God, 2020 was such a spectacular year. <laughs> no, to be honest, 2020 was much better for us than 2019, but 2020 was not a good year either. <laughs> Very difficult to lead through. Today, I want to just give you that my sermon has one point. I want to give you one key, one key that got us through that season. Okay, here's the one key. Today's sermon has one point. Let's put Psalm 34, 
23.4 up again. Even though I walk, everyone say walk. Through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Uh, let me ask you a question. What is the, the part of speech for walk here? It's a verb, right? It's an action. You're moving forward, okay? Notice what he didn't say. He didn't say, even though I sit in the valley of shadow of death. Even though I stand in the valley of shadow of death. Even though I stopped in the valley of the shadow of death. Even though I sat down and sulked in the valley of shadow of death. I think it's key, and some of you here just need to hear this. He said, walk. Okay? He said, walk. This is my point today. If you're going through a valley, if you're in a dark place, you're in a hard season, keep moving forward. Yes, we stayed in community. We stayed in worship. We stayed in the word. We encouraged ourselves in the Lord. But if I'm being honest, I wanted to stop, and I definitely wanted to quit. We definitely wanted to quit. And, in fact, some of my faith-filled prayers were like this. God, if this is all happening because of that church that we started, you can have someone else do this. (laughs) We need some protection here. Some of my prayers were like, I don't know if we can keep doing this. I think we need to go do something else. Did we sign up for this kind of life because of, you know, ministering to people? Okay, those are not very faith-filled prayers. I'm kind of embarrassed to admit that, but that's just where we were at times. It was like barely hanging on. One thing that we did notice and we did take away from 2019 was that really our staff and our church rose to the occasion and really helped carry this thing when she was down and out and when I was actually down and out. Um, that was an amazing testimony. So thank you, those of you that were helping us do that. But here's my point. If you're going through a valley, keep walking, keep moving forward. It will get better. Stay in worship, stay in community. Encourage yourself, but keep moving forward. And I'll, I'll kind of conclude with this, and um, I'm going to have the worship team come back up because I want to go back into worship um, before we close today. <clears throat> Revelation 12:11 it says that we overcome by two things. What are they? The blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. This is how they overcame by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. The blood of the lamb, and Leslie did an amazing job of talking about this. The blood of the lamb, what Jesus did for us, that is what he did for us. That's what Jesus did for you. The word of our testimony is what Jesus did through you. The blood of the Lamb is what he did for you. The word of your testimony is what he does through you. But listen, you can't have a testimony without a test. Okay? Everyone wants a testimony. Not everyone wants a test. But listen, every time you pass a test, you're marked by his name. Just like Jerusalem, you're not just marked by the mountaintops. Your strengths and your victories were also marked by the valleys that we come through and the valleys that we overcome. And so I just want to encourage you guys with that today. And um, let's have the, um, the prayer ministry team come forward and um, stand down here in the front. And why don't you guys stand to your feet. Two things I want. I want, number one, our church to be able to meet people coming through the valley. I want the testimony that Ben shared, I want that testimony to be multiplied many times over. Make no mistake, that was not easy. What they went through the last 
few weeks, whatever, that was not an easy thing. But, they, but the power of God met them in that place. And they were able to meet someone coming through the valley and help them get through and have hope and a future and see what family looks like and see what a godly home looks like. But the second thing I want to do today is if, you're, if you are going through a valley, you're going through a hard place, um, I, want to, I want to encourage you today. Don't stop. Don't stop. Keep going. And I'm going to pray for you. And, and uh, if you guys want to, um, you can come down front um, this morning. If you need prayer really for anything going on, but especially those of you who are in the valley, you're in a hard place, and you need encouraged, and you need strength, um, we're just going to go back into worship. And um, you can feel free to come down anytime uh, for, for prayer. Yeah, maybe some pastors if you make sure we have enough. Some of you pastors want to come forward too. I'm going to pray and then we'll, we'll go into worship. Lord Jesus, we love you. We thank you for today, God. God, I thank you that we're not just marked by the, the mountaintop experiences. We're also marked, God, by the valleys, the things we go through. But God, it's the testimony, Lord, that you're after. You want the testimony in our lives, Lord. Thank you for your blood. That's what you did for us. But thank you, God, for the testimony. That's what you're going to do through us, Lord. And I just pray over anyone here who's going through a valley, who's in a low place, Lord, this test will become a testimony. It will become a, a it's actually your weaknesses will become your strengths because God's grace is made manifest through those weaknesses. So Lord, I just bless anyone here going through those dark places. We just say, don't give up. Keep moving forward. We love you in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Thanks again for tuning into the City Lights podcast. We appreciate your support and we'd love to fellowship with you. You can visit us on Sundays, 10 a.m. at 4100 20th Street in Greeley. Be sure to check out our website at citylights.church where you can submit prayer requests, receive info on special events, and find our social media links. We're glad you could join us, and we hope you have a blessed week.